And this is Encounter with God here on Faith FM, where we get into our 20 million movement, 20 million people studying the same passage of the Bible around the world each day. And you know what I've done, Mon? What's that? I don't think I've ever done this before. Uh-oh. I have asked our interview guest who is on the phone to stay on the phone for this section of Encounter with God. Oh, yeah, that's a first. So often when we have our interview guest who comes into the studio, we're like, yeah, just stay for the Bible study. But this time we've said stay on the phone. It's very interesting. There's a very important reason for it. Oh, yeah? Yes. What's that? Uh, it's because of what our Bible study today is all about. But we're going to just come back to that. So hold that thought. Don't go anywhere. Well, our guest has a lot to Stay answer for. Stay tuned in. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I usually go and make my breakfast at this point, but I was so just involved with the cultivateconference.com.au website that I forgot. And now it's the news <laughs> is over and I'm hungry. <laughs> Where's my peanut butter toast? <laughs> and you're not going to have a big enough break to I go know. and make breakfast until maybe question of the day, but probably not. <laughs> Hold the hour. You lost okay. your breakfast. <laughs> but this 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 cultivate conference looks good. I'm cooking up a plan. Okay. I think my brother and I chip in together, and we're going to send our parents to the cultivate conference for Christmas as a Christmas present, not for Christmas, but as a Christmas present this year. Because it's before Christmas. It's right before Christmas. Well, yeah, yeah. it's like it's in November. November sixth. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna yeah. be great. All right, Rod, you still there? I am. Ah, right, good, good, good. So this is all good news, right? It is good news. Good on you, Mom. <laughs> Apart from the bit where I don't have my peanut butter toast, but yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> this is a what clue am I, what book am I quiz, and our fourth clue is this. It's another quote from this book, and it goes like this. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not... Wait, I'm going to get myself confused. You're going to get <laughs> yourself so turned around in this do, passage. I agree that the law is good. Bit of a tongue twister. What book is that from? If you know the answer, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. You can text your guesses to 0491-064-669. First person to get it right will win themselves a prize. So, Rod, uh, don't give the answer, but do you know the answer? I do. Yeah, okay. there you go. Yeah, I, thought, I, thought, I thought you would. It's a, uh, a bit of a famous passage, that one. Sparks a little bit of debate on occasions. Yeah, always a fun passage to uh, you know sit around and talk on a talk about on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon or whatever. Why anyway. is it so debatable? It's 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 just about self control and how you lack it and you often you don't want to do you don't you don't want to sin, but then you find yourself. Well, Mon, sinning. just don't even go down that rabbit hole because uh, <laughs> I will I will <laughs> Rod and I will start a discussion here, and um, yeah, it will be. A long I one. didn't even realize this was yeah. a hot topic. You won't get either breakfast or lunch. <laughs> <laughs> hang up, quick, hang up the phone, Lyle. <laughs> anyway, so there is a passage here of the Bible that I do want Rod to comment on, and that is Leviticus chapter 25, verse 1 to 7. So, Mon, if you could turn over there, and here you're going to find one of the laws of God was given to ancient Israel, and when you first read it, you're going to... Read it and think, what on earth is God talking about right here? And why is God actually um, saying what he's saying in this particular situation? So Leviticus 25. Leviticus 25, verse 1 to 7. Okay, you want me to read that? Yes. While Moses was on Mount Sinai, the Lord said to him, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you have entered the land I am giving you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath rest before the Lord Oh, sorry, hang on. Oh, yeah, before the Lord every seventh year. 
For six years, you may plant your fields and prune your vineyards and harvest your crops. But during the seventh year, the land must have a Sabbath year of complete rest. It is the Lord's Sabbath. Do not plant your fields or prune your vineyards during that year. And don't store away the crops that grow on their own or gather the grapes from your unpruned vines. The land must have a year of complete rest. But you may eat whatever the land produces on its own during its Sabbath. This applies to you, your male and female servants, your hired workers and the temporary residents who live with you. Your livestock and the wild animals in your land will also be allowed to eat what the land produces. What? Isn't that interesting? So every seventh year they have the whole year off. Okay, I want you to think about this, right? Uh Uh-huh. When it comes to the Sabbath, the king gets to have a day off once a week. Yes. Okay. He's mm-hmm. the king. He's allowed to have a day off once a week. Right. But then uh, the business people get to have one day off once a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lawyers and the doctors get to have a day off once a week. Correct. The servants and the slaves get to have a day off once a week. Yeah. Even the animals, the beasts of burden that we refer to them as, get to have a day off once a week. Yeah. And now God says the land gets to have a day off once every seven years. For a whole year. For a whole year. That's in, that's incredible. Okay, now. now just, this, yeah, yeah, Rod, go jump on. in. Jump no, in. no, go on, go on. Okay, so uh, the reason, one of the reasons I've, I've asked Rod to stay on the phone is that uh, not only is he the, the founder of Cultivate Conference and also the uh, um, owns and runs of a, a very successful um, small market garden um and but but Rod also has a background in agriculture that you know sort of goes back many years worked with orchards and all kinds of different things in the past. Um, so Rod, I'm wondering whether you can comment on this and you can give us some insight. What on earth is God talking about in this passage? Oh, oh, is anyone doing this in modern okay. day times? Wow. Okay. All right. So we've all heard of the concept of having a sabbatical. You know, we hear academics having a sabbatical year. They go off to do special study to reflect to regenerate. But why only them? Why can't the rest of us have sabbaticals? So you probably didn't know that the original sabbatical was for farmers, not physicists or philosophers or philologists, but for farmers. And even our land or our gardens can have a sabbatical too. So uh, from my perspective, what this commandment is, it's aiming to hit a bunch of good stuff in the farmer's life all at the same time. Okay, so first of all, it talks about the, the land having a Sabbath it's like the land needs a rest to renew the forces necessary for growth. So, you know, we know that periods of fallowness where land is not ploughed is crucial for continued fertility. And modern agriculture often does this by growing what we call cover crops or green manures for a period to rejuvenate the soil. And this allows, you know, things like the organic matter to build up in soil as the weeds or the cover crops convert sunlight and carbon dioxide into Carbon. You know, what, 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 kind of, what kind of uh, what kind of farmers would be would be using a cover crop on a regular basis these days? Oh, look, so many. You know, it's just becoming common knowledge that the most one of the most important things we can do is grow cover crops to add organic matter to the soil because the organic matter, the carbon, is the basis of soil fertility. So everyone from small scale intensive market gardeners like myself through to broad acre people, they you know they have. They have times when the paddocks just just rest, okay, and they leave the stubble in the soil or whatever it is over this period of time. And this allows 
microbial populations to build up and stabilise. And the whole soil, what they call the soil food web, kicks in. And the mycorrhizae, these fungi that grow in association with the roots of a plant in this symbiotic relationship, they can grow and do their amazing work. And ploughing destroys their minute filaments that are so crucial to healthy cops and healthy yields. Because I don't know whether you realise it, but these mycorrhizal fungi... Um, they attach themselves to plant roots. They exude acids that break down soils and make nutrients that are otherwise chemically tied up in the soil available to the plants. And the plants, in turn, use a third or even a half of solar energy they transform into carbohydrates to produce sugars that they feed to the fungi. Oh, you've got to and be so, joking. Absolutely That's not. That's amazing. You know, so... And... and uh, so they need each other, and when we're continually ploughing or disturbing the soil, the fungi just can't provide that that service to the plant. Like, for argument's sake, I grew up in southwest WA, and when they cleared the curry forest down there to try to plant wheat, they, their wheat just failed. And it wasn't for, I don't know, 100 years later that agricultural researchers found out that the mycorrhizal fungi necessary for wheat to grow successfully was not in that soil. But as soon as they inoculated it, off you go. Everything's growing fine. You could get good wheat crops. So leaving the soil untilled for one season gives it a chance to reset itself. It allows soil chemistry and biology to find homeostasis that makes it be able to produce more plentiful crops. You know, and I've got friends. I haven't had a sabbatical year. I've been only been around four years, but Farming friends of mine say that in the eighth year, that is after the sabbatical, they have better soil tilth, they use less fertiliser. Look, can I quote from one? I got an email from John in Tennessee this year, this week, sorry. I can say that we have had our best year ever. This is after 25 years of farming. Okay, hang on for a second. As- yep. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Sorry about that. That sort of—I was so absorbed in what you were saying that I wasn't watching what the uh, what the clock was doing. But uh, okay, go, go back to that email that you had from your friend who uh, is now in their uh, eighth year, twenty fifth year. Oh, twenty fifth year. So, so they've been growing for twenty five years, but they've just had their first, last year. They had their first um, seventh year sabbatical, and he says we have had our best year ever. As far as quality and quantity of produce and freedom from insects and diseases. Blessings from the sabbatical? I'd like to think so. Wow, that's amazing. Now, Rod, just tell so, me what happens if you over-cultivate because we look at some places where they've, you know, they've got a piece of dirt and they are just trying to drag every last penny out of that dirt that they possibly can and hmm. they're constantly pouring you know, water into it and, and, and whatnot. What's happening to the soil there? You remember the dust bowl in the uh, United States? Hmm. You lose your soil. Your soil becomes sterile and you no longer have a farming business or a fertile backyard garden plot. Wow. Simple as that. Yeah. You know, if we, it, we, you know, sustainability is all the buzzword. You know, if we want to look after our land, you know, God's given us some really good advice here. And I'm, I'm not here to, to tell everyone that they should be doing this you know i'm not trying to convince everyone that every seventh year they need to give their garden or that it's a law that's binding today it's it's up to every person to decide but you know when we look at the soil you know but we we can't stop there because god talks about what the farmer gets 
the farmer gets a year of rest. Damn, okay? that's, pretty, radical, that's pretty. That's very radical. It's a radical change from the daily grind. Time for recreation, for education, time for meditation and prayer, more time to spend with the family, do the kid, things that the kids are interested in, go for a holiday somewhere special. Or go, find go, go to Outback Australia? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, that was kind of it. But farming, I think why all sorts of reasons why it's focused at farming, but farming is so busy. It's perfectly reasonable to think that if we stop the daily grind, we're going to get behind, go broke, and fail those who depend on us. But here, God is promising to look after us and bless us for taking a whole year off. This is God's design to prevent farmer burnout. Take a break, fertilize your brain instead of the soil by learning something new. Go and unselfishly do something for someone else. Enrich your relationship with your family and come back to work after a year's break with enthusiasm. That's amazing. And I mean, this is back in the day. What we have to stop and remember is this. This was written down three and a half thousand years ago, mm. you know. And what you're talking about with you know the the, the soil and the fungi and the and the, the symbiotic relationships with, between plants and the you know the organisms, the microorganisms in the in, in the dirt and everything that's taking place here, uh, we can understand that today from a scientific perspective. But this was written down three and a half thousand years ago. Not only that, but we are also now seeing. Uh, the necessity for, you know, recreation. We're understanding mm. that. I mean, you look at the, the incredibly high rate, the heartbreakingly high rate of suicide amongst farmers today. It's Absolutely. just, it's, it's, it's just heartbreaking. And here you've got three and a half thousand years ago, God is recognizing this. And, and we live in a day and age of, you know, annual leave. That never existed yep. back then. There was that, that concept, you know, you got up, you worked, um, you went to bed. That was how you lived your life from, you know, from when you were a kid to when you got old and, and frail and, and or, you know, passed away. But, uh, you know, we live in a world where there's annual leave and there's certain expectations for uh, taking a break. We understand the necessity of that. And God understood all of this, you know, three and a half thousand years ago. He made us, mate. He knows how we tick. He knows how, what we need. It, you know, you know, and, and what's amazing to me is if anyone's wondering how am I going to survive during that seventh year without a harvest or an income, you know, further on in chapter 25, past where Mont read, it says, and if you'll say, but what are we going to eat in the seventh year? We're not going to sow, so we're not going to gather any harvest. And it says in verse 21, then I will command my blessing upon you in the sixth year and it shall bring forth fruit for three years. So in other words... God promises to bless the harvest in the sixth year, not just the last over the seventh year, but until the ninth year if necessary. Mm. I kind of want to go into farming just so I could do a sabbatical year and see what happens. I have to tell you a story. Do it, do, do it Mom. I have to tell you a story. So, in, uh, when was it, 1975 when I was two years old, we, uh, we moved to Tasmania and we, we set up a property down there. We had 100 fruit trees, every different variety. We had 14 different kinds of berries and a pretty large garden. And I think it was 1980, we went to Western Australia for uh, four months. And, of course, we, uh, we missed our planting season, came back, and expecting there to be absolutely nothing. You know, the whole garden has just gone wild. You know, you can imagine what it looked like. But we came back broke to the max, like poor as poor. Um, cousin came with us. So we had an extra mouth to feed. She lived with us for a year. That was fantastic. Um, and it was like that we were, we were just – my dad was literally giving my mum $5 a week to provide for the house. 
That that was it. And what had happened while we had been away and the ground had just been left there is that the garden had grown wild. And the thing that had grown the most wild from my memory as a kid, I think I was like nine years old or something or other, I can't remember, was the broccoli. So we lived on broccoli for about a year. Um, mm. we, le- we learned to like broccoli and then we learned to hate broccoli and then we learned to like it. We kind of went through phases <laughs> with broccoli. The only thing you didn't learn was how to pronounce broccoli, but go on. <laughs> but it was really quite, am- quite amazing um, how much we harvested out of that garden that had just, uh, just been growing wild. You know, Amazing. After, after having had a, uh, you know, a, a short, you know, five months, six months, I can't remember now, uh, sabbatical, yeah. sabbatical sabbatical rest, yeah. But, but there's something else we can't forget. It's not just about our land and it's not just about us as farmers. God here is proposing a radical egalitarian revolution because who's to benefit, who's to receive the benefit from the sabbatical year? Mon read it. Food for the farmer Okay, it can be harvested but not sold. So go go and help yourself. It's for your farm workers, for the foreigners, for your farm animals, and even the wild creatures that live on your farm. So, you know, in Exodus 23, God specifies that it's the poor people, the destitute and the underprivileged that take priority and they can take whatever they like. Okay, so what God's saying is one year in seven, I want agricultural output to be ownerless and free to everyone. And that all food resources are shared by all members of the community, the rich and the poor. So, in other, you know, the other aspect that we haven't talked about further down, that all loans are to be forgiven in the seventh year, allowing people to, you know, sunk in debt, the opportunity to start over. So, if this doesn't hit to the heart of many of the key social and environmental issues we're facing today, I don't know what does. It raises deep questions about the nature of a healthy and sustainable life for individuals for the land and society. And it seems to me designed by God, the creator, remember, to shift how selfish human beings relate to the earth and to the environment, to think about not pursuing short-term gains at the cost of long-term desolation, if you like, Mm -hmm. like what happened, you know, in middle America when we just ploughed and ploughed and ploughed and it all blew away. We, We need to start thinking that my farm is not just some resource to be used and abused. It's like a call to stewardship. When we abstain from working the land during that sabbatical year and relinquish ownership of what it produces, okay, we acknowledge that we don't own the land. And at best, at best, it's been given to us in trust for future generations. So I think this is a crucial insight for our modern world. As you say given to us three and a half thousand years ago and it gives us an opportunity to free ourselves from the constant pursuit of material goods and wealth and the tragic illusion that these things these material goods and wealth signify our value and the value of our existence so amazing for an entire year we can turn our focus away from our financial growth and the expansion of our assets but rather focus all our resources on others with a guarantee from God that he will look after our business for us. Now, how isn't that a win, 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 win situation? You know, it's no wonder that uh, Jewish people have a reputation of, you know, being some of the most successful, one of the most successful races in the world when you start to apply these principles. These are principles for growth and prosperity and health and happiness 
and uh, we can see how that has you know passed down through the generations. We have a lot to learn from you know what God has written down in the past. Often you read the book of Leviticus and like ah oh, yeah that was just for uh, you know the distant past, but God understands us. As individuals, as people, he understands his entire creation. We're going to move on now. This is uh, Anders Svensson with Heal Our Land. There you go. Our producer is on the ball.
You're listening to Anders Svensson with Heal Our Land here on Faith FM. Um, also featuring Miriam Emiliovic. Go on then. Something like that. <laughs> that was my best attempt at it. Good on you, Lyle. Anyway, we're back with Encounter with God here on Faith FM. We've been talking about agriculture this morning, which has been absolutely amazing, a whole agricultural theme. And I hope that you've been enjoying it as much as Mon and I have. It has been absolutely amazing. And, of course, we've got uh, Rod Bailey on here from the Cultivate Conference. But before we go there, been giving Lyle, his expert Congratulations advice. to Mary Hornby from Pelican. Oh, yes. Who has answered the quiz correctly. Snapped it up. Well done. Good on you, Mary. The answer, of course, was the Book of Romans. Uh, so Mary will be sending you a prize. And, uh, yeah, good on you. We're going to start another quiz. Do you want to start one right now? Yeah, why not? Okay, fine. Okay, this is on the What Book Am I? Clue number one. A fear and archipus. Oh goodness me! Why did I pick this one? A fear and archipus are two of the three people to whom this book is addressed. Ooh, I have. I don't know the answer. Yes. Okay. Great. Give me a call if you know the answer. One eight hundred Faith FM. One eight hundred three two four eight four three. Text your answer zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. First right answer gets the prize. There you go. You, you, do you know the? Don't say it, Rod. But do you know the answer to that one? No. Yeah, it was a bit of a tough, tough clue that one. <laughs> anyway, there will be more clues to come. We'll, we, we will get it probably sorted on the next clue. Hopefully, we'll see how we go. Anyway, um, I want to come back to something that uh, Rod was mentioning here a moment ago. Um, Mon, can you go to Deuteronomy chapter fifteen for us and talk about this concept of debt? And uh, we're just going to read a bit of a passage here. Deuteronomy chapter 15, uh, start for us there in verse 1, Mon, and uh, down through 11 or so forth. We'll see where we get to. At the end of every seventh year, you must cancel the debts of everyone who owes you money. This is how it must be done. Everyone must cancel the loans they have made to their fellow Israelites. They must not demand payment for their neighbors or relatives, for the Lord's time of release has arrived. Yeah, we can probably stop there. Yeah. Okay, so are we just creating a welfare society here where people can just like, you know what, I'm going to go and borrow a whole bunch of money over and above my um, my ability to repay it and uh, I can do that because I know in seven years' time I'm not going to have to pay it back anyway and just get it for free? I have thought of that before when reading that. Mm. I have thought, you know, wouldn't wouldn't someone take advantage? I guess the the, the person issuing the loan has to you know, lend wisely. Well, this is the thing because, because, because the system actually works. It doesn't actually create a welfare society because what it does is it throws a lot more responsibility back on the lender. They've got a, yeah, that's right, actually, yeah. Okay, so think about this, guys, and uh, Rod, you can chip on it, on, on it as well as if you want, but you think about the financial crises that we have been hit with, you know, in the last 20 years or so, have been created... Banks giving loans willy-nilly. Exactly. Yeah. Just dish them and if you like were a bank, mm-hmm. and if you were, if you were knowing that you would be, this debt would be cancelled in seven, seven years, years' time if it wasn't paid back, you would be thinking hard about who you loaned your money That's to, wouldn't you? That's so true. You'd be thinking, I need to get some interest back on this to make money as a bank, so who can actually pay this back plus the interest in seven years' time? So this is not a welfare system. This is actually a brilliant system that uh, creates an environment where you're not going to have a financial collapse created by overlending. Yeah, because they're taking advantage of people. They know they're going to entrap people for life by giving some of these loans out. That's right. And, uh, um, and, and of course, it, um, you know, 
it, it, it puts it back on the banks and, and forces the banks to take responsibility. I love it. And it's not just about bad, um, bad lending practices either. It, it recognises that stuff happens. You know, and that a, that a lender, a person that's in a position with with more resources than they need and can pass it on, you know, put it into circulation for someone else to spend for a useful purpose, they they got to recognise that stuff happens and things don't always go to plan. And so, it's not it's it's not just malevolent intent of the lenders or the incapacity of of the borrowers to pay back, but things go bad, accidents happen. You know, and it's it brings us back to this concept of don't just think about yourself. Think think about the effects on other people and do what you can to improve the lives of not just your own yourself or your family, but also for other community members as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, really just, you know, <laughs> you read the Bible. It is just so enlightened, you know, for an ancient book. It's, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, there's so much we could learn from this. Imagine if we'd followed this all along. We would have avoided, you know, the Great Depression. I just, oh, so many things we could have just done better. If we just followed the Bible. Anyway, Exodus chapter 21, Mon, and uh, start for us there in verse 1. We're going to look at the issue of slavery here for a moment. Um, a controversial subject. People say, why does the Bible support slavery? We mentioned this before, but slaves in Israel had rights uh, to the point where they were not what you would call um, a slave in the classical sense. They were a low-paid uh, contract worker. Okay, Exodus 21, verse 1. These are the regulations you must present to Israel. If you buy a Hebrew slave, he may serve for no more than six years. Set him free in the seventh year, and he will owe you nothing for his freedom. If he was single when he became your slave, he shall leave single. But if he was married before he became a slave, then his wife must be freed with him. If the master gave him a while for he was a slave and they had sons or daughters, then only the man will be free in the seventh year, but his wife and children will still belong to his master. But the slave may declare, I love my master, my wife and my children. I do not want to go free. If he does this, his master must present him before God. Then his master must take him to the door or doorpost and publicly pierce his ear with an awl. After that, the slave will serve his master for life. Okay, let's stop there. I think we're starting to get the rough idea. But basically, if you were completely down and out, there was... A, uh, a safety net. God created this, and it doesn't sound like slavery, a safety net. That doesn't sound like a safety net. Let me summarize very quickly because you've, um, you've run through a whole bunch of uh, different aspects there, but not all of them. Um, slaves in Israel both owned and inherited land. They had the right to marry. They had equal rights as any other person in the court of law. They had the right of physical protection by their master. Um, they had the right of freedom of movement, the right to uh, freedom of worship on the Sabbath, um, they had the right to keep the feasts, freedom to keep the feast, freedom from slander. If you if you had a slave, you were not allowed to say anything bad about him. Um, they were to be a part of the extended family. They could not be compelled to work with rigor. You know, no seventeen hour days. Mm-hmm. Um, any debilitating physical injury caused by the owner was cause for immediate emancipation. Um, and uh, um, when they were set free. At the time of departing, they would be given uh, livestock, grain, and um, wine or you know, grape juice to uh, to give them a start. 
And as we mentioned there a moment ago, it could be renounced by a uh, ritual ear piercing if the slave decided he wanted to stay. Wow. So when you look at that whole system, it's not really what we would call a slave. He was a low-paid contract worker contracting for seven years of work. And with set out what he would actually receive, food, lodging, and a payout when he finished. It's like it's a bit of like um, workplace laws instituted by God way back. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Where nobody actually ends up, you know, completely down and out and on the street and uh, or was supposed to, you know, completely homeless and, and without any kind of opportunity. It's a cruel thing that God knew, like social science, better than we ever thought. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, we don't have a lot of time left, but um, I'm just wondering whether um, we could uh, just grab a little bit of extra time there. Um, and Rod, before we finished up, I just wanted to ask you, um, what 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 is your seven-year sabbatical as, a, as an agricultural person, as a yeah. market gardener? What's that actually going to look like? Oh, I'm not exactly sure what 2022 is going to look like for us, but... In the book of Malachi, God tells us to test him. He says, do an experiment, prove me, and see if I'll do what I say I will do. So we look forward to doing an experiment, and we fully expect, if you like, to taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, a lot of people talk about having a personal experience with God, but if you like, by definition, experience is knowledge gained by experiment. And so we're going to experiment with God with this sabbatical thing. We're going to give it a go. And uh, maybe if we're still around, we could talk about the results. But we are absolutely looking forward to it. So that's 2022, Rod. Correct. There you go. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll make an appointment, I think, to uh, call you back in 2022 here on The Breakfast Show and uh, in the middle of the year and see how things are going. Maybe also we could um, schedule in another trip to the Simpson Desert together, Lyle. Oh, now you're talking. No, now no. you are talking. Go to Antarctica. That's that what we should do with your sabbatical year. Go to Antarctica. See that thing before it melts Don't off. know that you can do a whole lot of agriculture down there, but it would be interesting for, to experiment. By then it I'm might sure, have melted I'm sure Rod could, stuff. I'm sure Rod could uh, create a system down there that they would uh, they could grow stuff. Anyway, we need to move on with the show. We're way over time. Rod Bailey uh, from the uh, Cultivate Conference, thank you so much for joining us this morning. And uh, don't forget to jump over to cultivateconference.com.au and check out the program happening in November. This is Don Francisco with The Sower. From the seed, when the sower sows the word, like seeds scattered wide on a sidewalk, with no place for the roots to dig in. That's the gospel to those who've been hardened by the world and its doubt and its sin. To the sound of the truth of the kingdom. They are deaf and just don't understand And the enemy comes 
And he steals away the abundance the Father had planned For the sower sows the word But who is the one who is heard And from faith to deed brings a crop from the seed When the sower sows the word Like seed and thin soil over bedrock With no depth for the roots to go down The shoots appear green in the morning But they're scorched when the sun heats the ground So some hear the gospel with gladness But when trouble and testing arise In the heat of the battle they wither and retreat to a refuge of lies For oh, the sower sows the word but who is the one who is heard And from faith to deed brings a crop from the seed When the sower sows the word Seed falls in weeds, thorns, and thistles, struggles for water and light. The weeds grow up faster and larger, and the harvest gets lost in the fight. That's the word in a heart that's distracted by the world and its worries and cries, by money and thrills of the senses. While the real life just shrivels and dies But the one who brings sowing to reaping In this one the Father delights When the word's understood and accepted Watered and kept in the light Where the plow has dug deep down the furrows And the stones have been thrown from the field Producing some thirty, some sixty, sometimes a hundredfold yield. For the sower sows the word. Who is the one who has heard? And from faith to deed brings a crop from the seed. When the sower sows the word. When the sower sows the word. Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown maybe, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. How's it going, everyone? This is Mon and Lyle from The Breakfast Show. Hey, Lyle. Mm? I've got a question for you. Yeah. 
Is God for real? That's a really good question. In fact, it is such a good question that ex-atheist, devout atheist Peter Watts is doing an entire series of presentations on that very subject, answering some of life's deepest questions. Are you serious? Can I go to this? You certainly can. It starts this Friday night, the 19th of July at 7pm and runs every Friday, Saturday and Tuesday night. Do I have to pay? Where can I get a ticket? It's for free. Simply call 0488588955. While I will see you there. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. back everybody it's time for question of the day here on faith fm one quick clue for the quiz before we get into it yes i knew what book of my quiz our second one of the day uh clue number two for this is only two books of the bible have fewer words than this book oh really yeah so i guess in other words it's the third shortest book of the bible Okay. You're so nice and confused, Lyle. No, I'm just working through the short books in the Bible. Anyway, uh, we'll come back to that. And uh, before we do, we're going to answer question of the day. Yes, today is an excellent question. I love this one. Lyle, mm-hmm. so on to you. Don't lie to me now. Did Jesus create alcohol? No, he did not. You sure? Absolutely. Let me, let me read you a verse of scripture recently made famous by uh, Israel Folau. Yes, it's it's that verse, the verse that sort of um, steps on everybody's toes. Read the verse and then switch off your phone. (laughs) (laughs) The the one verse that uh, steps on everybody's toes and does not single anybody out. Mm -mm. I should make that point. It kind of gives everyone a hard time. It says, this is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Where are we? 
Um, verse, um, let's start in verse 9. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or who commit adultery or male prostitution or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusives or cheap people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I tend to think that at some particular point, that verse has applied to every single person on the planet, including you and me, unfortunately. Correct. Correct. Um, however, one of the things that is listed here is drunkards. The Bible says that no alcoholic is going into heaven plain and simple. That's what the Bible says. Okay, so then this person wants to know, did Jesus create alcohol? Let's consider the circumstances. In John chapter 2, you find the, the story of the wedding feast. Uh, the wedding went for three days. And the Bible says that at the end of those three days, they had drunk so much, they had drunk up all of the wine that there was at the wedding. So first of all, if that was alcoholic, they'd be pretty plastered by this particular point. Then we find the story of how Jesus creates wine by turning water into wine. And the amount that he creates is six kegs in a modern day uh, measurement. Okay, so what you've got then is people who are completely plastered and Jesus creates another six kegs of alcohol so that they can really finish themselves off. They're going to be dead from alcohol poisoning if they're not careful. Um, Is this something that Jesus would involve himself in? The second question that I ask myself is, uh, very simply, uh, would Jesus give alcohol, you know, an addictive substance to somebody uh, when he knew that one in seven people who take their first drink of alcohol are going to become an addict and a, have a chemical addiction to that particular subject uh, s- substance and lose out on salvation as a result of it. Jesus died for these people. He would never risk their salvation uh, by giving them alcohol uh, because this is something that would cut them off from salvation, uh, very clearly according to this verse, if they got addicted to it. If you read the context of John chapter 2, once again it makes it very clear that this was not alcoholic because the Bible says that on the first day of the wedding they would use the wine that was very good and then on the second and third day they would use the lower quality wine. And so we ask ourselves the question, why would this be? Um, Why is this the practice? And what is it that is taking place here? The answer is very simple. On the first day you use Freshly squeezed grape juice. But if you try and keep that, it's going to turn alcoholic. The way that you stop it from turning alcoholic is boiling it down into a concentrate where you can you, know, you can store it for up to 18 months in a wineskin, you know, mix it with water, reconstitute it, and you can have it back again. On the first day, you would have fresh grape juice. On the next two days, you would have reconstituted grape juice. That's what's called the lower quality wine. And then, of course, when Jesus creates uh, wine, he does not create you know, the second quality, second class, reconstituted uh, grape juice. He creates pure, crystal clear, perfect grape juice, the best that anybody had ever tasted. Ever tasted. He turns that water into grape juice. That was what was happening at the wedding feast. Jesus is not trying to turn people into alcoholics. Give us a call if you have a question. <clears throat> Our number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 
Back guys, we've come to the end of the show here on Faith FM, the end of the breakfast show. So this will be it for Mon and I for this morning. We'll be back again. What day is it today? Monday morning after Monday morning. It's Friday today. Look at that. It's Friday. Uh, yes, we will be back. But before we leave, Lyle, let's give some stuff away. Yes. Uh, this is a copy of The Ministry of Healing by E.G. White, uh, Ellen G. White. Beautiful book. Uh, this book is. Oh, 
And it includes the benefits of agriculture. Yeah. Talks this, about that. That's why I picked it out of the bunch because this, this thing is going to be like food for your soul, healing food for your soul. Uh, give us a call if you'd like a copy of The Ministry of Healing um, by Ellen G. White. Just a really delight to read. It really just strengthen your resolve and give you um, – yeah, courage to carry on. Zero, uh, zero four. One eight hundred Faith FM is our number. One eight hundred three two four eight four three. First person to call through will get a copy of this. Lyle, we have been neglecting to tell the good people that you're actually skipping away again. Yeah, you just got back and you're leaving. Uh huh. Something like that. And you're taking producer Shell with you again. I am. Tell us about it. Kind of. Your wife. Yep. An awesome person. I like to travel with her. Yeah, but... Okay, so uh, I won't be missing you here on Faith FM. Uh, I won't be going anywhere, but I will be away for the weekend. Next weekend, not this weekend, next weekend, I will be in uh, Melbourne. And people can go see you, right? That's right. Contact the uh, Gateway Adventist Church. I'm going to be speaking on the subject of relationships. You and your wife. Mm-hmm. Both of us together. Two of you doing a little marriage conference kind of thing together? Never done that before. Never thought I would ever speak on that subject. This will be really fun. So, it yeah. will be. Google the Gateway Adventist Church in Melbourne and there's a conference happening. I think it's like an AYC kind of thing, but you can definitely go along and hear Lyle and producer Shell talk about marriage advice. Marriage advice.